You know, our um, journey of game day, I think, certainly is exciting for me. I, we do these sports series at least once a year so I can wear gear. I like that. But, uh, you know, there's something in me that says, especially as we are talking about last week, joining a, picking a side. Like, I, I'm good with that because, you know, I want to win. I'm competitive. And God's put a winning spirit, a competitive spirit inside of us. And we have to understand how it works and use it right. But uh, what we know is that, uh, man, on a journey with God, it can be incredible. It can be epic. You can be a part of something winning, something very big when you're a part of sort of team God, but what we also know is, you know, it's not, it's not always easy in life, and sometimes you can be on a journey with God, and it doesn't feel real adventurous or real epic as well, and so I want to help us kind of sort through our journey with God and this team that we're on and kind of how the game can go at times. Uh, we do a trip every year. I go on a trip every year. I take a group of men. We go to North Georgia, and I take them on a trip. It's called Wild at Heart, and the, the actual trip is named after a book called Wild at Heart, and the author that wrote the book, John Eldridge, he says that uh, what he has discovered, and I think he's right, is that every human being has a craving and desire for adventure. We have a desire to be a part of something big. Uh, we don't oftentimes know where to find it, and so we look in the wrong places for adventure, and it leads us into unhealthy living. But when you're on an adventure with God, when you're on a journey with God, you have now inserted yourself into a very epic story that makes you come alive inside in a way that you never knew. You begin to realize all the other adventures on the planet are small compared to being on a journey and a mission and an adventure with God. And I think the author is right about that. People, I've watched men figure this out and come alive in their relationship with God and others because they have this sense that they're on this epic journey with him. I think women crave this. Men, I've talked about it being a men's trip. I think women, they crave this as well and they want to be on this epic adventure that's much different than the monotony and the chaos of this life that we're living in. And I can come here in a church setting like this and I can share with you, you know, something inspirational and say, you're on an epic adventure with God if you're a Christian and you could get very excited. I, I get that. And you could walk out and say, let's go. But I also know it's possible that you could be super charged up and leave here and your car breaks down. And you've got some problems at home. And there's things that aren't going well, and all of a sudden, you can lose focus on the fact that there is there really, is there really an adventure? Like, it feels like right now there's no adventure, Pastor Gary. Like, the biggest thing I got going on is I got to take out the trash, you know, like that's it. I know that there's moments that things can feel really, really low. Like, Pastor Gary, I know you're talking about great adventure. The only adventure I'm on right now in life is I'm just trying to lose five pounds, you know, that's it. It, it happens that. We want to be a part of something bigger, and then life happens. I, was, I remember the first trip I ever went and took them into Wild at Heart. I was so fired up, you know, like, we're going to invest in these men, and 40 men, and we're going to do our thing, and I cannot wait to teach and invest in these guys on this trip, and I'm so looking forward to it, and we get there on a Wednesday, and we set up our tents and everything, and then I learned a real secret that night. I'm going to just let you in on something uh, if your tent says it's waterproof, it may not be. I'm just gonna, just gonna say. So I wake up in the morning. Uh, it had been raining. There's water all over the tent, my clothes, my sheets. It's just, it's a mess. 
I went to bed that night thinking we're going to have an epic adventure, and I woke up flooded. Like, I, I felt like that, this is life, right? It feels like, okay, where, where's the big story again that I'm a part of? Where's the big adventure? And so I wrote this question in your notes. How can we think we're on a winning team when it feels as though victory seems nowhere in sight at times? Amen. And then it doesn't help that you see other people living big. They're on epic vacations, and they've got epic jobs with epic careers, and they're in epic living, and you can't even go to the bathroom without your kids busting down the door to try to get in and talk to you. Gary, is there really a giant script out there? Because I got problems at work. My marriage is a flop. My kids are a mess. I'm fighting foreclosure. I'm trying to stay healthy, and I can't. Bills are piling up. Yet we are a part of a story despite all of that. In fact, the scriptures tell us that in essence we're in the middle of a play and we're in the third act out of four acts right now. If we understand the scriptures and reread the story, we're in the third act of this, of this uh, script that we're involved in and, and what we know is how this thing plays out one day. As we read the scriptures, we know that one, knee, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We know that time is coming, but we're kind of not quite there yet. We're in this third act and... And the story is huge. And it is dramatic. But how can you leave here and remember that you're a part of that big story? Now, what we're going to do is look at a biblical character who uh, went through some things. Despite being promised, despite this, this incredible vision, God-given vision for his life, this feeling that, oh my gosh, I might be a part of a big story. He gets that. And then very quickly, messiness ensues. And I think we can look at Joseph's life, I think we, can all, we all can today, and see exactly how it applies to us in the year 2022. You want God's word to come alive, it, be alive for you today in 2022? It, it is. The, the, the issue is you have, to, you have to read the word. And this is a problem for many Christians today. You see, uh, many Christians today don't read the Bible because maybe they think in their mind, well, I can read about these biblical characters, but they're all super and amazing, and I could never be like that. Uh, the fact is, is any time in the scriptures we get an extended narrative of a character in the Bible, he's gone through some stuff. She's gone through some things. And it's when they go through some really rough times that you and I see how God's word can be applied to my life when I'm going through difficulty, when I read this stuff and I go, holy smokes, they went through that and look at what happened in their life and how they were struggling at times and you get that kind of information for your life. And so I'm just giving you one character. There's so many of them that we can learn from. Joseph in the Old Testament. Not New Testament, Joseph, not, not uh, Joseph, Jesus, daddy, guy, not him. I'm talking about Old Testament Joseph, and when we look at Old Testament Joseph, we, we know that on the days where it feels like our biggest adventure is just getting to work on time, when our biggest adventures in life feel like they're very low level, that that God is still working and we're still a part of the story. You know, Joseph, he is from a really great heritage lineage. You know, his, his, we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham's his great-great-grandfather. And uh, man, that's a pretty, pretty nice lineage that he's a part of there. You know, Abraham's going to be the father of many nations. And now uh, he's a part of, of, of this lineage. His, his father is Jacob and, and his father 
had 12 sons, and, and Joseph is the favorite of the 12 sons. So he, he's got a pretty good gig going on. I mean, as far as uh, kind of this favoritism and this uh, really, uh, this privilege of this life that he's able to be a part of, and then it gets enhanced even more because God gives him this very powerful dream. And here's what it says in Genesis 37 and verse 5. Joseph had a dream. I'll stop right there. This is a God-given dream that God's downloading to him about his future. It says this, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. You see, he's got this robe he wears to signify his favor. The brothers, the 11 other brothers, they, they know he's favored. So they already, you could imagine, they already have a little bit of a thing towards Joseph, but now he's about to tell the brothers, the dreams that God has shown him. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were standing, or we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when, we suddenly, when suddenly my sheaf arose, stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around me and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Are you, will you actually rule us? Okay, what would you do if your brother came to you and said, I had a dream, y'all are gonna bow down to me? That would be a problem. And that's what's happening here. They're already frustrated with Joseph, and now he's got this thing like, you're, you're going to bow down? They say, are you really going to rule over this? The Bible says, as they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Like, this thing's going downhill fast. Listen, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars, 11 brothers, were bowing down to me. Oh my gosh, they turn against him. They're like, enough is enough, buddy. And they work up a scheme to get him captured and throw him into a, an empty well. Here's what it says in Genesis 37 and verse 23. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing. They took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty and there was no, there was no water in it. There, it's, He's been thrown into this place all of a sudden. And then a group called the Ishmaelites, they pick him up and they purchase and they're going to take him down to Egypt. Now they're going to take him to a faraway land and sell him into the, into the slave trade. Suddenly, our 17-year-old boy with all this favor, this God-given vision, and that God-given vision wasn't really as much about brothers. It was about a bigger thing that God was going to do in his life. It's a powerful vision for his life, and now this 17-year-old boy who's been given this vision finds himself shackled by his hands and feet, sold into slavery, he's on his way to Egypt, into a foreign land to be purchased by who knows who to do who knows what. If you're Joseph, in that moment, does it feel like you're really a part of something big? I mean, you were told you would be, but are you... Really, now, from our vantage point, see, because we have God's word, we know the story and where Joseph was heading and how important it was to the big overall story. And he was a part of something big. But if you don't put the right lens, like if you don't know where you are in the scheme of history and the script that God has written, if you don't have focus on those things, it is super easy for you and I to forget 
that there is this bigger story. You know what God was doing with Joseph? He was taking a 17-year-old boy, and God was working a plan to perfectly position him to take him down to a nation, and from that nation, a nation would be raised up from within the nation, and from that nation that would be raised up, the Messiah of the entire world would be brought forth to save all of humanity. Now, if I tell you you're on a mission, and the entire salvation of all of humanity depends on you, you're like, well, that's a big adventure. Now, he doesn't have that lens. He just knows he had a dream, and now look at this messy situation he's in. He can't see all those other things that you and I have access to in God's word. And so I put in your notes, let, let's remember this, that Joseph is ripped from his family, and he's sold into slavery. And then here's what it says in Genesis 39 in verse 1. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So, so he got Potiphar working under the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Now that's, that's who he's going to go to work for in this slave trade. He's going to go to work for Potiphar's house. And it says, the Lord was with Joseph. And I, I underline that in my notes because it's pretty interesting. It says, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of the Egyptian master. Now, <laughs> okay, I've been ripped away from my family. I've been sold into slavery. I'm in a foreign country, and now God is with me? Are you kidding me? God, you're, you're with me? Uh, God, because I feel like if you were with me, my brothers would be the ones in trouble, not me. And if you were with me, I'd be the one instructing the Egyptians to build the pyramids. I'd be that big time. God, if you were really with me like this, would the script really look like this if you were with me? And some of you, you're like, Pastor Gary, I hear you tell me God is with me. You talk about that here at the church, God is with me. But it doesn't feel like it because if God was with me, wouldn't I be doing this? And wouldn't this be working out for me? And wouldn't this be going perfectly for me? In verse 5, it says this, from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property. The Lord began to bless. The Lord, oh goody, the Lord is blessing. Who's he blessing? What's the next one? Potiphar's household for the sake of Joseph. <laughs> Wait a second. If God is with me, won't he bless me for me? And the text is saying, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Thank you, Joseph. We're going to bless somebody else because of you. And now that's got to be super hard to digest. I mean, these people who brought me in as a slave, God is blessing them on behalf of me. Hold on, Pastor Gary. Can I really be a part of something big with all the minutia of life? Pastor Gary, can, can I be a part of something big with all the crud going on around me and the stress and the worry and the stuff going on in my marriage, is it really possible to be a part of something big? And the answer is yes. And in order to encounter that, Joseph does, and I put this in your notes, he does what anybody in his situation who really is wanting to journey with God would do. And I, I wrote this down in your notes. The simple truth was this, that Joseph at age 17 was in slavery and he was ripped away from his family and he did what anyone would do who was confident God was with him and that victory would come. That's all he did. What did he do? 
He just remained confident in God. Now, he's on this really rough journey, and now God's got an epic moment for him. Finally, you know. Whew, this has been ugly, but now God's got a little bit uh, of an epic battle for me. You know what God's going to do. He, he, he's going to put in front of Joseph Potiphar's wife, the, the master of his household, the wife of Potiphar, starts kind of making a play for Joseph. And she's trying to get with Joseph, you know what I mean? She, literally, that's what's happening here. And so she's presenting herself like, hey, hey, look at me, look at me, you know, I'm right. And Joseph's choice in this moment is going to be reject her and watch her feel scorned and make up a fake story, or commit adultery with her and upset God and also the master of the house. Wow, God, thanks for the epic journey here. I have a no-win situation. Like, I could, couldn't you put, like, couldn't the first big battle for me be like, we line up against you, mano a mano, and let's just see who wins? No, 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 no. God's first epic battle now for Joseph is a no-win situation with this woman. Either reject her or commit adultery with her. And he's going to end up, I put in your notes, he's going to be wrongly accused of trying to have an affair with Potiphar's wife. Uh, he makes the choice that, you know what, I, I'm confident in God and I'm trusting God and so I'm going to I'm going to reject this advance that your that Potiphar's wife is, is, is making on me. In verse 8 and 9, it says this, but Joseph refused her advances. Look, look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. <laughs> I, I underlined in my notes, a great sin against God. Really, Joseph? Like, you're going to honor God now? Or still? Still, after all of this that you've been through, you're, you're still honoring God? Like, you're making a decision to honor God? Like, you've been ripped away from your family. You've been sold into slavery. Now you've been set up in a no-win situation where there's no chance, and you're going to be faithful to who? To God? Well, you know what Joseph did in this situation that was really ugly, being ripped from his home and sold into slavery and sent to a foreign land, and now having this advance made against him. Well, he doesn't touch her. As the scripture said, he, he rejects her. She screams and says, he did it. And Potiphar has him dealt with and thrown into prison. And the simple truth in all of this is, while Joseph was accused of something he did not do, he did what anyone would do who was confident God was with him and victory would come. Yeah, that's the same villain as the one before. That's right. Confident that God was with him. That, that's what he does. In fact, I wrote in my notes, Joseph knew, even though God seemed silent, that God was not absent. And he remained confident in that. He didn't have the prophecy. You have prophecy in God's word. He had the Bible. Or he didn't have the Bible. You have the Bible. 
uh, you, you know so much more than Joseph knew during that time. And all he knew is that his great-great-grandfather was going to be the father of many nations. And here he is in this place going, what kind of nation is this? Really? Oh, but he's going to be rewarded so handsomely for honoring God. I put in your notes, he's wrongly sent to prison. If you're getting a sense that this thing's going from bad to worse, it is. It is true that if you read your Bible and you read it in its entirety and you go all the way to Revelation, here, here's what you know as a part of the script that you're in as a believer in Christ. You come to know Jesus Christ, you're in the script. And here's what the Bible tells us. We win. We are victorious. We know that. Think of a guy, though, in this moment who doesn't know what this is all about. And yet, still, he's being confident in, in God. Now he goes to the dungeon. Verse 20, it says this. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Ah, oh, but good news. But the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. Oh, thank you. Lord, you're still with me, and now I'm in prison. You're a real blessing, God. <laughs> God, if this is you being with me, could you go find somebody else at this point? Uh, maybe go be with my brothers, if this is what this is about. Like, really, this is getting worse by the minute. Now I'm down here in the dungeon, and you know, there's no great story, it seems, down here. And there's no great battles, epic battles down here in the, in the dungeon. And the Lord is with me. And then it goes on. I love this next line. It says this. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Oh, goody. How bad is your life when the best thing you got going on in your life is that your buddy's with the warden? And that's where he is. Hey, Joseph, how's your good God doing isn't your God, isn't he so amazing? Yeah, he, he's amazing. You know what he's given me? He's given me buddies with the, the warden. Yeah, the warden really likes me. I think for some of us, it gets pretty low and, you know, Monday's coming. You got to do your job and maybe you don't like your job or you don't like your boss and Maybe you got a broken relationship you're dealing with. Maybe a broken situation in your family. Maybe a broken situation in your marriage and finances are getting a little bit wonky. And every day it feels like it's so hard to see clearly what God is doing. Well, you know what Joseph does to model for you and I. What he did when he was ripped away from his family, when he was sold into slavery, when he was sent to a foreign land, framed for rape and sent into a dungeon, the next thing he does, uh, or the, what he continues to do is this simple truth. Even though Joseph was wrongly in prison, felt things were unfair, did what he did what anyone else would do who was in a situation, he remained confident that God was with him and victory would come. Yeah, it's the same feeling again. Uh, then then uh, something else happens. Uh, some guys are sent down into the prison with him. Uh, we have the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker. They, no, actually not them, but it's the baker and the cupbearer are sent into the prison, and these guys are down there with our guy, Joseph, and they start having these dreams, and they need somebody to interpret their dreams. 
And I, I put in your notes, it brings us to this moment where the cupbearer is released and he's going to let Joseph down. Here, here's what I mean. These dreams are uh, happening and they're going to come to Joseph for interpretation and Joseph says, I, yeah, I can do it for you. Let's go. I interpret dreams. And here's what it says in chapter 40 and verse 13. It says, within three days, here's the dream. He's translating. Hey, hey cupbearer, here's the dream. With three, within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as chief cupbearer. Hey, he says, I got good news for you, cupbearer. The dream you're having is that you're, you're getting out in three days. And so this is what he says. And please remember me. And do me a favor when things go well for you. Hey, hey, just, would you just do me a little favor? Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. Yeah, sure. Hey, that's no problem, man. It's no problem. When we get out of here, we'll, we'll do whatever we got to do to help you out. Thanks for translating the dream. And I think probably Joseph's going, God, you, this, is, this is the moment. This is so simple, too. I don't, have a, I don't have a lot to ask of you here, God. Just one simple request. I'm not going to tax you too much here, God. This is no big deal. Please, 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 please. I think some of us have gone to God like, it's just a little thing, God. Just a little thing here. Would you help me with this, God? Just, just a, a little thing. Please, when the cupbearer gets out of here, would you just let him follow through and make sure he puts in a good word for me to, to Pharaoh to get me out of here? Verse 23. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. <laughs> hey, now how's your epic adventure going? All you did was ask God for just one little thing. Would you do this for me now? Would you do this for me now on my timing? Hey, Joseph, how's life in the dungeon with your best friend, the warden? Oh, it's really, it's really great down here. We're down here in cell number three, and there's a lot of action going on down here. A rat went by yesterday, and we killed it and ate it. And so whew, you should join me down here in cell number three. It's a big deal. We've rearranged the cell three times today. It's really looking good. Like, this is getting lower and lower and lower, but the story brings us a principle. Just because you don't see things happening doesn't mean it's not happening. Just because you don't understand what God is doing doesn't mean that God doesn't understand what he's doing. Uh, just because you can't interpret the situation doesn't mean that God's not setting up uh, for a divine intervention. Just because you had uh, another argument, a, a big problem with your kid, a bill collector call, and a problem with your car, uh, nothing great seems to be going on in your life, and you're only praying for one little thing, it doesn't mean there's still not a story that's taking place. And Christ's followers are in the story. And what would a Christ follower do who is facing difficult circumstances in his life? A Christ follower would operate as though they are confident that God was still with them, and that victory would come. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that with my kids. I'm going to do that with my job. I'm going to do that with my boss and my physical ailments and all these opportunities that I'm looking for that don't ever seem to come. I'm going to be confident. Even though my God seems silent that he is with me. Look, there's times I've forgotten. It's easy in this world. we live. There's times I forget the story. I forget the epic adventure at times. It's so easy to do that. You're in a soaked tent. 
good grief, God, really? I mean, I bought a waterproof one from Walmart. Like, this shit. <laughs> but the simple truth for Joseph, even though his moment had come to relieve his circumstances, the moment had come and gone with the cupbearer, he did what anyone would do who was confident that God was with him and victory would come. Stays confident. Finally, 13 years after the dream, he's 30 years old, almost 14 full years, two years after the cupbearer left and got out of prison. Two years have passed since that. A total of 13 years from age 17 to age 30, his moment is going to happen. And I think it's important to understand how bad and for so long this had gone on. Because I do, and I don't want to, uh, I don't want to make it seem as though your struggles are small, but ain't nobody in here gone through what Joseph went through. And he stays confident that God is with him. 13 years of awfulness. And so this, this checks out really good for us in 2022 with some of the things that we have going on in our life. And, and, and so I'm bringing it to you as a way for you to see how this plays out for you and your journey with, with God. Pharaoh has a dream. And it's weird, and he does not understand it. He has a dream that these big cows are coming out of the Nile, and then there's these little cows coming, and the little cows eat the big cows. And then he has this other dream that there's these giant heads of grain, and then there's these smaller heads of grain, and the smaller ones eat the big ones. Now, if you're having a dream like that, you should try to get it interpreted, because that's odd. You know, like, that's some weird stuff. And Pharaoh's like, I need somebody to help me with this dream. And here's where we are in history. Genesis 41 and verse 9. Finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Hey, there was a young Hebrew man uh, with us in the prison who was the slave of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he told us what each of our dreams meant. They're like, finally, they're remembering Joseph. Joseph can interpret dreams, so they, they clean him up. They bring him before Pharaoh. And here's what happens, verse 15 and 16. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night and no one here can tell me what it means, but I have heard when you hear about a dream that you can interpret it. Folks, the big moment has arrived. Like, this is it. This is the home run. Like, this is the moment. If you've ever been in sales, like, the customer is buying, just sign on the dotted line at this point. Like, this is, this is cake at this point. Grand slam, home run, touchdown right here. Just do what you finally are getting a chance to do in this epic big break for your life. And here's Joseph's response to Pharaoh on the request of the interpretation of the dream. He says this, it is beyond my power to do this. Joseph, bro, you blew it. You had one job. Like, just... Do it, man. Like, make something up. Like, I don't know. But this is your big moment. Now you're going to stand before Pharaoh and say, uh, it's not within my power to do this. Why? Because well, cell number three is so much better. Like, really? And then it says this. He takes it to another level. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Now the palace is laughing, really, because 
First of all, the guy Joseph is talking to thinks he is God. And now Joseph's talking about his God. No, oh, by the way, your God is going to tell me something? Your God's got you in the dungeon. Ripped you away from your family, sold you into slavery, uh, brought you to a foreign land. You're wrongly accused. You're in the dungeon, and you're going to tell me your God's going to do something for me? This is the point where they're all going, a big breakout in the palace. I don't know if you saw that in the Bible where they started saying, na, 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 hey, hey. That's where we got that from is actually, no, that's not true. But they're like, this is it, buddy. Your, your time, you're going back. You're going back down in to the dungeon, but you know what our guy does, Joseph, he does what anybody who'd been ripped from his home and sold into slavery and sent to a foreign land and wrongly accused of, of rape and being sent into a dungeon, he did what anybody would do. He decided to be confident and bold about God. And he speaks out boldly. And he says, I'm gonna tell you exactly what the dream is. And Joseph proceeds to give this incredible economic advice based on the interpretation of the dream. It's like he's just giving powerful wisdom to Pharaoh. And his advice is, is that, hey, um, there is a, a famine coming and we gotta be ready. And you gotta be prepared. And Pharaoh is gonna hear this advice. It's so powerful. He's hearing and he's like, holy smokes. This guy is wise. This guy is is, is powerfully smart. Like all of a sudden, Pharaoh's looking at Joseph and going, man, you, you need to be large and in charge the way you think, the way you operate, the things that you know. In verse 41, it says, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. Amen. Folks, in a moment just like that, he goes from the dungeon to being the vice president of Egypt. And in that moment, something was finally happening that God knew all along, that he was working a grander plan to get our guy Joseph down to Egypt, where he could have influence in Egypt and one day be a part of what started the ball rolling for the raising up of a nation from within a nation, of which the Messiah would eventually come from to restore and bring salvation for all of humanity. In just a moment like that, it's finally revealed, but it was 13 years to get there. And the reminder for you, God's trying to do some things. You have confidence, though, that he's with you despite the brokenness around you. I think I mentioned last week, we were talking about crossing over from death to life, and I think I mentioned last week about our beach baptism. Did I do that last week? Yes. Good, I thought I did. I wanted to tell you about the beach baptism again, but when I think about what baptism represents, it represents people who've, who are showing the portrait of having crossed over from death to life, and I said that last week. When somebody goes down and comes back up, it's a portrait of, I'm on, I'm on the team. I'm on the team. And, but there's something else in that portrait that's happening. It's, I'm confident that God is with me. I know there's going to be messy times, but, but in this raise to do life, I, I'm going to remain confident and, and I'm going to trust that though I can't see it and I don't understand it, that God is still with me. And when I watch those baptisms in the next couple of weeks that I'm going to get to be a part of, I'm going to be watching those stories go forth. And I'll just say, I hope 
If you're one of those people that's crossed over from death to life, you're one of those people that needs to make that proclamation of your faith, I hope you'll join me. We have a lot of people there at the beach baptism. Our whole church is invited to watch, even if you're not being baptized, but it's gonna be a great day. And if you're interested in it, maybe, maybe you were baptized as a baby, but you've never been baptized as a believer in Christ. You have an opportunity to do that. On the back of your Connect card, there's a place to tell us that you're ready to be baptized. You can check that. You can drop it in the bucket when the buckets pass at the end of service. We'll get in touch with you about that opportunity to be baptized and make that declaration. A declaration that says, I trust you, God. And you know, when we were entering this third act of the four act thing that we're a part of now in the script that God has written, right before it was kind of the third act was about to be in full swing. Uh, Jesus is spending some of his last time here in his ministry here on earth. And in Matthew 18, it says this, then Jesus, it won't be on the screen, but I just, I wrote this down um, from God's word. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This is a great adventure, an epic adventure for every believer to be a part of. Making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then he says this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's a promise of God. Jesus confirming it right there. Say, I will be there to the very end. Jesus knew it was going to get messy. I mean, these guys are about to get persecuted. But I will be with you to the very end of the age. It's why we get in the 23rd Psalm, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God, you are with me. That's his promise. Are you confident? Know that God is with you despite everything going on around you. Let's pray. God, we do give thanks this morning for the opportunity to be reminded. Some believers right now, they're, they've forgotten the story. They've forgot the, the journey. They've missed how amazing our God is and the things he's doing. And though we look at our circumstances right now, it doesn't feel like the adventure's great. God, we're reminded today it is. It's a long journey and our ways are not your ways and our thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are higher than our ways. And so God, we, 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 we must... We, we must understand and see it more clearly today, but I'm praying, uh, God, you're, you're, you're firming up a believer here in their faith journey. There's others, though, every weekend in every service, we have people with us who are not believers in Christ. And I would say this, welcome, I'm glad you're here. And then I would say this, you have an opportunity, if you're here today and you're a believer in Christ, you have an opportunity, or not a believer in Christ, you have an opportunity to become a believer today, to get woven into the story, part of the story that God is working and doing and and developing, and you can be connected and written into the script today and become a part of the family of God, and it happens through faith in Jesus Christ, saying, God, I surrender to you. I admit that I've chosen to live a life away from you, and I'm ready to walk on a journey with you. I, I understand it won't be easy. I understand that there will be highs and lows, but there is a promise and there is a story that I want to be a part of. I understand in the end we win. Whether I experience certain victories on this side of eternity or, or not, the things I'm looking for, God, I know this. I will win the ultimate victory with victory over death, hell, and the grave. God, I want to know that is real for my life today. Forgive me of my sin. 
I accept the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sin. God, forgive me. Wash me. Make me new. On this journey, I'm beginning with you. I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen.